Yo, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to The House List. My name is Peter Agostin. Thank you so much for tuning in. we got a special conversation today for you. Before we get into that, I just want to send a shout out and thanks to everybody um, that listens on our SoundCloud page, which is uh, backslash The House List Podcast. I say that to say this because very recently, um, earlier this week or so, uh, we we uh, passed the 50,000 stream mark for the podcast on SoundCloud. So shout out to all you. If you guys listen to it on the app, if you listen to it at home, off a desktop, or your laptop, because I know some cats listen to it that way, however you do it, um, the fact that you spend some time checking these conversations out and supporting the artists that I talk to um, and the people I talk to in general, that means a lot. So much thanks for me, Peter Agassin, as well as CJ Stewart, the guy who edits and engineers these with me, because he spends a lot of time uh, fixing everything up. And, you know, I do these all on a handheld mic, if you can believe that. And uh, so he does a lot of great studio wizardry to kind of pump everything up, make it kind of acceptable. You know what I'm saying? So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. So let's get into this conversation, who I'm talking to today on The House List, special guest, special designer and artist. We got my dude, Freddie Anzuris, on the show today. Some of you guys may be very familiar with him, and some of you might not be familiar with him at all. Um, let's frame it this way. Because of the music that I played at the intro of the song, that's my man, Dame Funk. Okay, so that's a record that Dame has coming out very soon, an actual vinyl record called European Nights. The, the digital version is streaming now. You can get it uh, wherever you stream music on glide zone recordings which is a label that i work with uh dame on as well as freddie freddie's the art director there so the releases that we've done up to this date um have been designed by freddie and freddie's based in the bay area but he's from washington dc originally uh as you guys know i'm, I'm originally from virginia freddie has a pretty cool life story um and we kind of dig into it here uh, although i'm gonna uh, I'm going to call this one a part one. I know I got a couple of those in the in the back catalog. And listen, if this is your first time tuning in, to go back in the stacks and check out some of these conversations. Uh, I guarantee you, you're going to love them. Even Dame Funk is an early episode. Scroll back and find that. Especially on SoundCloud because you can get them all. I think the iTunes one, some of them start to get uh, deleted after a while. So with Freddie, um, he's got a lot of different things going on. So people know him from different different places. He was a DJ in uh, San Francisco, um, record collector, music uh, dude, but also the um, art director for the now, sadly, defunct Wax Poetics magazine. And he designed uh, um, and laid out a lot of uh, that that um, great publications print. And I think even on the web, if I'm not mistaken, too. Freddie also did Dame Funk's Invite the Light as well, the layout of that album. Um, he created the logo for Glide Zone. He created the, the template uh, wording logo, essentially, for Invite the Light, amongst a lot of other stuff. So um, we caught up in the Bay Area for this conversation. Part of it is, is I have to tell you, it's we recorded part of it driving on the highway. So you'll see a little bit of sound design work. I'm making CJ, uh, certainly uh, making him test his skills out as an engineer. Um, 
but I think you're going to dig it, you know? I think a lot of people will be able to identify with his story, too. And as his career starts to build, because there's a lot of stuff that I like to talk about with him. Um, and we kind of kept our conversation here that I'm going to share with you sort of in a very specific lane. So when I do have Freddie get back on the show, we'll be able to expound a little bit more, which I'm looking forward to. So I'll, let me plug this record too real quick too, because I want cast to buy this and buy it a very specific way. If you collect vinyl, um, European Nights by Dame Funk, uh, laid out and designed by Freddie, is um, available uh, still for pre-order. But by the time that this episode goes live, and if you listen to it even a week or two after, then we'll be very close to when we're shipping this record. So it's going to be shipping in mid to late February anyway. But in the meantime, I want you to be able to buy it direct from our distributor. That way you can you can absolutely get it while it's in stock because this will sell out and the pre-orders are, uh, are very close to that. So you can order uh, the vinyl of European Nights by Dame Funk on Glides of Recordings at uh, Redline Music Distribution. I, I know I've probably plugged this release in some of my other ones too. Uh, so some of you guys might know how to get there. But it's at redlinemusicdistribution.bigcartel.com. So go cop that while supplies last. Dame Funk, European Nights on Glide Zone Recordings. Um, as well as, hey, get the Night Funk and the Eka. Those are joints that Freddie designed that were produced by Dame. And yeah, cool dude. Very cool dude. And anyone that's a, a friend of his would, would know that too. So I'm happy to share this little conversation. It's just us kind of shooting the breeze and talking about his... Uh, you know his story a little bit, and we will do a part two there for down the line. Shout so out to out uh, the Catholic enjoy. High School, Hyattsville, Maryland. <laughs> so that's where you grew up. You grew up, yeah. You're like uh, yeah. Yeah, DMV. Grew, yep, DMV. I grew up in Maryland, right outside of uh, Washington D.C., PG County. Um, yeah, that's where I came up. Uh, you know, both my parents worked at Howard University, historical, oh, historical black college. And, you know, when I was younger, my mom um, thought that, uh, my mom knew that I was really interested in art, and so she wanted me to uh, come with them to work, and uh, she had the idea of putting me in the Howard University print shop, and oh, okay. just okay. kind of run with, the, run with the people over there that were literally making all of the uh, collateral and brochures and slides for you know, presentations, specifically in the um, College of Medicine. So I remember having to work on, and and this is like in the era before like desktop publishing. We're talking about like late 80s, uh, 1987, 88, 89. Yeah, so there's giant printing presses, right? Yeah, giant printing presses. Yeah, yeah, like I had to like, a lot of exacto knives. There's there's this chemical called... uh, Bestine, which was a thinner that you would have to use to to clean up your uh, paste ups that you'd lay out. Um, you'd literally lay out pages by hand. Yeah. Uh, blue pencil, non-photo blue pencil. Um, yeah, so it was really fun to be being. Yeah, it was really fun to be in that environment because um, not only was I around all of those, all of that kind of analog equipment, but the people that were there like really really took me under their wing and um kind of schooled like a a young a young cat trying to do you know trying to do art in this in this environment and 
you know, we're talking about 1989. Um, so what, how old are you? You're like in, uh, like, I'm like 12 years old. That's yeah, so you're, fourth, you're a kid. Yeah, I'm a kid. You know, I was really into hip hop. Um, there was a pretty popular radio station back then, R&B station called WPGC 95.5 that, uh, you know, everybody in my class, eighth grade, seventh grade would be listening to. We're talking about, um, uh, I'll be sure in effect mode era. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so to be at Howard university at that time, um, you know, where, where rap and R&B were equally on the radio. I mean, we're talking about, um, uh, collabos between, uh, R&B and rap, like being normal where you'd have the R&B song, but then the, with a rap, with a rap kind of like hook in the middle of it. You know, I think, I think, uh, uh, Jody Watley's Friends featuring Eric B. and Rakim, I believe is the first R&B song with a hip-hop, like, hip-hop included in it. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, prior to any sort of, uh, I mean, a a track that was specifically considered R&B from an R&B artist with, like, rap in it. Right, exactly. Um, but then, like, you know, as the years gone by, the, that, that proportion kind of flipped where you'd have the song would be all rap and then you'd have the R&B hook. So right. it was a flip. But I think Jody, Jody was hip to it back then. I mean, she, she had come up as a soul trained dancer. Right. She was like... Shalimar. Yeah, Shalimar. Yeah, you know what it is, Shalimar. Yeah, and then, she was also um, on Invite the Light. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, shout out to Dame, who, you know, that's how we're connected. Um, so, so we could, I guess we could talk about that a little later. Sure. Um, but yeah, so, um, so let's get back. So Howard University, ill story I want to tell. So Howard University is 12 year old, 13 year old kid. Uh, there was a nobody beats the whiz records and tape store on campus. Okay. On the campus of Howard University. On the campus of Howard University. This was like next door to next to the Howard University campus bookshop where you could get the ill champion or uh, you could you got a choice between champion or Russell Athletic everybody was going champion sure yeah, you, you know what it is that was so. the era the champion era <laughs> yeah the champion era which you know we were seeing a resurgence of that right now yeah um, and uh, there was an ill kind of uh, Jamaican uh, eatery called Negril I think that joint's still there and then you'd have uh, Nobody Beats the Wiz. I guess it was technically the Wiz, or no, no, I think it was called Nobody Beats the Wiz for real. It's technically Nobody Beats the Wiz Records and Tape Store. And um, I had been listening to WPGC ninety five point five, the R and B station in DC. And uh, this track came on by the Beastie Boys. Hey, ladies. Hey Ladies by the Beastie Boys came on in 1989. I, I, I think it was the summer, if I wasn't mistaken. It's had, it had to have been the summer of 89. And um, I was, like, pretty excited that this white rap group was on R&B station. Was on the was on the black station. Just because I love that. I love the fact that, like, you know, uh, they were open to playing that. Right. 
and especially when um, the first album, License to Ill, which came out in '86, uh, the pre- you know the main the main jump off of that was uh, Fight for Your Right to Party, which was like the frat boy shit. Yeah. Um, it was like huge on MTV. Huge, 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 huge. So you know. Uh, Def Jam era 1986 you talk about Run DMC LL uh, Raising Hell tour I think the Beastie Boys may have opened you talk about Public Enemy is Russell Simmons um, and uh, Rick Rubin running running things right. um, but uh, you know 1989 the Beastie Boys come out with their sophomore album and it's produced by the Dust Brothers full on sample affair mm-hmm. called Paul's Boutique and I heard Hey Ladies on the radio and I was like, oh, yo, let me go, let me go peep that, let me go peep that full length, let me go peep that full length, so I went to, uh, it was on my lunch break, <laughs> a 12-year-old having a lunch break at like a French <laughs> shop. Yeah, okay, and yeah, what, did you go to Negril? So, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I went to Negril, I got, I got, I got the jerk chicken over there, you know, right. that's, that's what you did, oh, when yeah. you, if you, when you're a student at Howard, you know, freshman, sophomore, studying, whatever, you go to the grill, get the jerk chicken, get the collard greens, you get, like, you know, if you just want a little snack, you get a Jamaican beef patty with, like, a ginger beer, and then you call, you know, you're on your way, so, uh, either, you, either that, or, like, my mom was into half smokes, it was oh, all nice. about the, uh, yeah. you get, like, the Louisiana hot link, or whatever, with the, like, chili on it, and they wrap that joint in, like, the aluminum foil, you get it from, like, a food truck, that um, sounds great, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, so I went to, uh, Nobody Beats the Wiz, and they actually had a display with the Paul's Boutique, uh, tape and the, uh, long format cardboard CD case, right, right. you know, so that's the era, um, and they had a bunch of them in there. So it told me that no one was really checking for this. Okay. Okay. And then coupled with the fact that the cover was kind of mysterious, you know, later on, I'd re- I, you know, I learned that it was like a, a gatefold triptych photo from uh, Lower East Side, Rivington Street, New York yeah. City. Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't say the Beastie Boys. I think it was a, a sticker on it. It was pretty mysterious turquoise blue cover so you know I picked up the cassette and uh, at the time I had like the ill like Sony Sports yellow Walkman the waterproof joint and uh, I popped the cassette in as I was uh, going back to the print shop and I busted that and uh, yeah it started off with like this fade in of this like crazy like Again, I didn't know what the instrument was at the time, but Fender Rhodes, ill-ass beginning, and them kind of shouting out, like, all these girls from different nationalities. Uh-huh. And and after that little intro, it, like, went into, like, Shake Your Rump with a, a ill-ass, like, drum break and then this crazy, like, funk sample. So this was, like, a different... This was a different Beastie Boys, man. Like I, so your your twelve year old mind was blown. Yeah, I mean, this was like what, like I was, I was so captivated by this record because it was such a like 
180 from what they had done previously with Rick Rubin on yeah. License to Ill. Yeah. Uh, I looked at the credits and it was like, you know, the Dust Brothers, who's this? Like, who are the Dust Brothers? Uh, uh, you know, later on, like, you know, they they would go to work with Beck on Odalay, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't know who the Dust Brothers were. Uh, actually, later on the, the year, you know, I think it, it was either 90 or 91, they would go on to work on uh, Tone Loke's Loked After Dark and uh, Young MC's, um, uh, what was the name of his joint? Oh, man. Young MC. Well, the album, I couldn't the tell album. you. <laughs> Yo, you try not to say you were down with Young MC. That's what you're trying to say. Yo, straight up, though, I did not purchase that album when it came out. Yo, Bust the Moon was kind of hot, though. <laughs> at least on the East Coast. I don't know what it was over here. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, uh, and I grew Stone up Cold the... Ryman was That's the was. name of the album. Both on Delicious Vinyl. Um, so, yeah. The Dust... name his second album. That's oh, the question. Oh, damn. I, I, I see I, it in I, my I, head, though. I know he had a song called What's the Flavor that was, like, late. With F-L-A-V-A? Without yeah. The... Okay. yeah, that's late era, that's Young later. MC. But yeah. we're kind of getting on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, we're kind of a bit on a tangent. No, I want to hear this story because I yeah, know yeah. you're going somewhere with this. No doubt. So, um, especially now that we pulled off the highway. Yeah, we about the... to hit up Apple right now. We're on. We're in, oh, that's what's up. We're in Cupertino. So, um, so. So what, you took it into the print shop. So yeah. So you tried to bump that in the print shop. Yo. So, so here I am, a little ass kid. I'm 12 years old, thinking I know something about music. Okay, and um, you know, I'm like excited about this new album that I just got. Just as you were when you got the new fresh tape or. Oh, yeah. CD, if you had enough money, I had a disc man. Um, or had had the CD player in the whip or whatever. So mostly it was cassette tapes. Back yeah, then. yeah. And um, so I walked back. I was walking back to Howard uh, to go back to the uh, print shop, and um, there were these two cats there that really took me under my wing. These cats named Brian and Leon. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if they attended Howard. Uh, they may have maybe taken some classes or may, this may have been their job, but they worked there like every day. Okay. And they must have been like in their, uh, you know, mid-20s at the time. If not like late-20s, early-30s. And they like took you under uh, yeah. their wing? Yeah, so so Brian was a DJ. They both worked the print, the print shop. Like Leon worked like the, the machine that would um, replicate uh, brochures with mm-hmm. like um, you'd have to take like this metal plate with like ink on it and like he would work that and then Brian would basically do all the deliveries of the brochures across campus so you know oftentimes I'd be I'd be helping I'd help be helping both of them um, you know either get Leon um, uh, like uh, supplies for the for the print machine or uh, roll around with Brian around campus to help him uh, deliver boxes to the professors and doctors who needed, um, you know, their uh, their materials. Right. So, so okay. So I get back to the print shop and I'm listening to to Paul's boutique, and you know, I take my headphones off. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, guys, uh, you gotta hear this tape I got. You gotta hear this tape I got. And they're like, oh, what, what you got? What you got? And you know they like pride themselves on music as most yeah. as most brothers do and shit. Um, so uh, 
you know, typically Brian would be playing like some mixtapes of some shit that he had put together. We 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 talking uh, we're talking like Maxell XL two nineties. Okay. Nice. Those are the gray joints, right? Yeah, yeah, the gray joints. If you, if, you know, for the heads out there. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so he. Uh, uh, he was definitely the music cat of, of, the, of, of the two, of, between Brian and Leon. So I was like, yo, you got to check this tape out. It's kind of crazy, da-da-da. And uh, they were like, well, what is it? And I was like, yo, it's the, it's the new Beastie Boys. And they're like, Beastie Boys? Like, <laughs> you listen to Beastie, like, what, like, the frat, uh, you know, fight for your right to party? Uh, Oh, that was that's that's the, that's public, the public enemy. enemy one. That's the <laughs> that's the public enemy joint. Uh, um, you gotta you gotta fight for your right to party. Is that yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. They were like saying like uh, you know they on that frat boy. You can't really that ain't that ain't really nothing. And I was like, no man, this is this is a different. I don't know. There's something about it's different. And they were like, oh, okay, young blood, let's uh, <laughs> right. let's get your tape. And you know they they humored me. They you know. Which was cool, you know, they like, they didn't shoot me down, they actually gave me a shot and like, were open to what I was into and, you know, I really appreciate that because, you know, they took my tape. It, had they not, it, had they not done that, then like, it, I would have been in another alternate reality, like, and I'll explain that later. Okay. So, um, so, uh, I, uh, I gave them the tape, they put the joint in the boombox. And you know the the um, the uh, uh, to all the girls intro came on, and they were feeling that it was a little mellow. And then you know Shake Your Rump came on. It was like the kind of up tempo breaks, funky samples joint. You know they they were like oh, okay, but then I think it's the third track. Eggman came on, and when Eggman came on, it had the the doom. Doom, 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 that joint, the, mm-hmm. that bass line, and uh, the Dust Brothers flipped it, and when that came on, uh, Brian was like, "Yo, that this ain't Beastie Boys, dude," and I was like, "Yeah, it is. Here's the tape right here. I'm showing <laughs> it to you right here," and they were like, "Nah, homie, that that's Curtis Mayfield, Superfly." What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> who's that? Right. Who's that? Who's 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 Curtis? And who? What's Superfly? And you you again you 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 talking to a twelve year old Filipino kid that like is ears wide open to stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh man, well listen, listen, you bring all your hip hop tapes that you like. And we're going to play them, and then we're going to tell you who who the OG samples are. And, you know, I bring in my, my Big Daddy Kane, like, um, it's a Big Daddy thing. That's, like, still one of my favorite, like, full-length albums. Like, Big Daddy Kane is, like, one of my favorites. Uh, third bass um, Cactus album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else what is, What else is popping off? Like, Chub Rock was popping off back. Yeah. Heavy D, Peaceful Journey, as well as uh, no, the Peaceful Journey was like the Now That We Found Love mm-hmm. uh, joint, which I later found out was you know a remake of a track by a group called Third World. Yeah, 
great uh, track. Yeah, great track in and of itself. Um, and you know, I remember wanting, being really excited to purchase this the box set Star Time by James Brown, which was a four CD uh, box set that had uh, you know collected. Uh, you know tracks from across his career and it was really disc three of that set that had like all the joints like get up get into it get involved um all the 70s joints like uh man like um So were they were those guys like putting you up on this stuff at this point in time? Like so, obviously yes. the Beastie Boys record kind of like uh, started an ongoing dialogue with you and these sort of mentor types in yes. the print shop. Yeah. They were like, "All right, kid, like we're gonna educate you a little bit on like funk, soul, no doubt, and where these samples are coming from." Right? Yeah, you know, it, it, I think what 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 really instilled in me looking back at that time. Was that? Um, oh yeah. Um, was that? Um, you know, when you listen to something, especially in that time in hip hop, if you were the type of person to want to go deeper when it came to the production of that particular song, right? You looked at liner notes. You looked at who produced who's who produced this. Was it was it was it Pete Rock? Was it Premier? Was it you know who produced it? With Trackmasters, who who was it? You know, right, right. Um, Herbie Lovebug, which was uh, Kid and Play, was popping off at that time too, and you know they busted the Go Go joints in there. So like that's a DC DC and rap with Herbie Lovebug producing. Rolling with Kid and Play also produced uh, Salt and Pepper as well. Right, but that Rolling with Kid and Play was a giant uh, that merger was a of Go Go and Hip Hop. Merger. That was a giant merger. That was a huge track in like Maryland, DC, DMV area. Well, what are your Go Go uh, joints? You got? Are you? What's your depth of knowledge there? You know, I wish I had more of a knowledge of that. I think um, growing up, certainly, um, I didn't grow up in DC proper. I okay. was more of a suburban Maryland kid. Right, so it was more straight hip-hop. Yeah, it was more straight hip-hop. I mean, like, the um, the very first hip-hop track I ever knew as a kid was in second grade. You're talking about, like, 1984, 83, era, uh, 85. Um, uh, Just Buggin' by Whistle. I love that joint. Where did you hear that? Yo, okay, so I was in second grade. There was a cat, black cat, named Damon Bolton. He was like the flyest brother in second grade. <laughs> okay. He left, like, he only was there that year. Like, he, he transferred to another school after second grade. And he had, he had this tape. It was a black tape uh, with glitter on it. The fool put glitter on the tape, maybe because <laughs> on some Michael Jackson shit or whatever. And he played me that shit on a boombox, just bugging by whistle on that. And when I heard that, and I was like, yo, this shit is so dope. 
and this was before and then, and then like uh shortly after that I got really into uh Run DMC like uh of course, as every, yeah. as, you know right. like you talking about UB Illin you talking about uh uh you talk too much you talking about walk yeah, this way yeah. you talk too much such yeah. a way yeah that would that yeah and then shut up <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean this this shit was like mad fun to listen to and there's something insane. about that stuff that that run dmc of that time that like you could be like five years old yeah. or 50 years old and it like engaged the listener like yeah. equally like there's not a lot of music i feel like that was at this point in time that's contemporary that like uh can be relatable to like small children that's and right. like grown ass adults that's right you know? yeah and yeah be respectable like, yeah you know? And then in a genre that's kind of new. Right. You know, on top of that. So, uh... Not to, like, digress or yeah, get yeah, too yeah, far yeah. on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, So, 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 okay, let's go back to Howard. So, um, yeah, I'd bring in my hip-hop tapes, and they would, they would school me on the OG samples of all those joints that I, right. that I liked. And so, that kind of gave me a... A different lens on whenever I saw or listened to something it really was like okay uh, is what I'm looking at or what I'm listening to uh, actually a, a derivative of something else is there a source for 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 what I'm looking at or what I'm listening to or is what I'm listening to or looking at like super original and mm-hmm. um, you know I think that 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 sensibility of of realizing that things that are created can be uh, inspired by something that came before, whether it was a sample or whether it was a lock a lock sound on <laughs> on a high school lock. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of like, in a way, that's just hip hop to me. That's just a hip hop approach to life, where you're taking something that that you know, in hip hop, is whether you take something from the past and recontextualize it in, in, in a track, a uh, modern day track or something in the physical world and translate it in the digital world. I mean, right. it's a similar, I would, I, I think it's a similar approach. Well, you, you've definitely applied that to your more music, um, oriented, yeah. uh, design work. Yeah. Too, would you say? No doubt. Yeah. So, so getting, so, so for what, for what it's worth, I do want to, it is important to talk about. This yeah, too, yeah, it, yeah. 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 Because, you know, for the average listener, they wouldn't know. It's not necessarily like, you know, public knowledge of your work and accomplishments at Apple. But right. at the same time, you know, certain heads and, and, you know, maybe your contemporaries in the music industry sure. um, are familiar with your work, uh, with your music oriented work. Yeah. So yeah. primarily at Wax Poetics. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a great, that's a great, you just, you just did the Scotty Pippen of Jordan right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, my job, man. <laughs> so, uh, not to say I'm Jordan or anything, but uh, well, you're the Jordan of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why you do these. See, I see you. Um, so, uh, you know, fast forward ten some odd years from that experience at Howard. I think maybe no, maybe more than that. So they, we're talking about 1989 mm-hmm. to not 99. Uh, yeah, maybe about 12. 15 years after that experience at Howard, um, I'm in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Okay. 
and we're in this building right by the water there forget what floor it was and um you know i'm i'm walking around this building with a cat named andre torres who was the editor editor-in-chief of uh you know prestigious independent uh magazine called wax poetics mm-hmm. um there's a whole another story as to how I even discovered the, the magazine. I, I, I discovered the magazine at a at a <clears throat> at a shop called Groove Merchant in San Francisco, which has its own own history. Sure, we can get into, we can get into that uh, later. Um, my man Chris over there, we, and we still get up. Um, I'm walking in this building on Dumbo with Andre and. He's telling me that he's looking for uh he's looking for a creative director. He's looking for somebody that can essentially run design run design at the magazine. Okay. Um and uh and I'm like, you know, I'd never designed a magazine before, but I wanted to be down. So I was I told him, I was like Yo, put me on, man. And I and I had been doing. Um, they had hit me up to do a bunch of advertisements for 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 Wax Poetics as well as flyers and stuff as like kind of an outside help kind of situation. As a side side hustle, you were doing flyers and and yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah like for one of the, some of the first flyers <laughs> I ever did was for a, a party called Future Primitive Sound Session with Mark Hurleyhe. Right. So, which is now like kind of has a resurgence. In yeah, a way. which has yeah, we, you know, literally, um, uh, cut chemist and shortcut did uh, a future premise sound session pretty recently. Yep. Um, so the circle's coming back around, but um, <clears throat> okay. So you did those. So and I did you're, those. You're with Andre. He he knows your work from that, perhaps. Yeah. So uh, the way that I got into it was I saw the magazine at, at uh, Groove Merchant. Right. And um, it was issue one of the magazine. I okay. think this was maybe it's got to have been like two thousand two thousand one. I think that's the maybe. one that has two thousand two actually all the squares on yeah, it. Yeah, two thousand two, I think. And um, Chris Veltri, cool Chris, uh, the owner of the shop, right. was uh, he told me, um, I, and I had been doing a bunch of design work with Chris. He had like a pretty small independent label called Disjoint that. Uh, you know, he had the faith to to give me a shot to do uh, record cover designs, and I mean, Chris is like, I mean, if you know who Chris is and 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 you know what he's about and how much he's contributed to San Francisco Bay Area, just record culture. Oh yeah, it's an immense influence. Yeah, and then he's just a chill ass cat. On top of that, um, right? He gave me a shot to 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 help him visualize some of his ideas and we and we still we're still working together um and you guys just did that book too yeah we just did a book called record people Uh, chris has like an amazing uh fascination with ephemera and vintage whatever and so you know i think he's just trying to find ways outside of the record store to uh you know showcase that right um but I saw Wax Poetics issue one, 2002 at Groom Merchant, and he told me like, yo, uh, they're gonna do um, a, a piece on the shop in the second issue. Would you be down to do an ad for the shop? And I was like, 
hell yeah, I'm down to do an app for the shop in Wax Poetics. So that was the very first thing I ever did for Wax Poetics. If you look in issue oh. number two, uh-huh. for all the Wax Poetics magazine collectors out there, uh-huh. if you look at issue number two of the magazine, if you go to the back, there's a there is a half page ad for uh, Groove Merchant Records in San Francisco, 687 Haight Street, San Francisco, California. And it's uh, literally a, um, it's kind of a illustration of record record label logos, but kind of freaked in a way that it makes a composition. You'll check it out. Yeah. I don't want to describe it too much. I got it. Yeah, so, so that's how I, I was doing a bunch of, after I did that, ad i hit up andre uh, just straight up email and was like yo i did the ad and groom for uh for the shop in issue two and am interested in contributing to the magazine in any capacity um this is before i was at apple i was at a at a, at a, a design firm called frog design at the time and it just so happened that frog design was the firm that steve jobs um worked with to do all of the 1980s uh, Apple computers. So Amazing. There was a lineage there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, that's where I was doing all the future primitive flyers and all the Groove Merchant related stuff and mm-hmm. um, all of the uh, early Wax Poetics related flyer stuff. I remember one of the first flyers I ever did, funnily enough, was for a Joe Baton event in, <laughs> Dope. in Dumbo. I think it was a place called Rebar. I don't, I yeah. I don't remember correctly. I think so. Yeah. Um, I did a flyer for uh, Wax Poetics Records' first release. Um, what was that? Oh, man. It was it was this obscure military band that had that did like a funk record, East of Underground. Dope. It was called uh, Wax Plex Records Zero Zero One, and uh, they had a uh, I guess a release party for that. Did a flyer for, um, and uh, you know a couple house ads in the magazine for Wax Plex books. Uh, there was like a you know there was a forty five by. A group called the Moments, which consisted of um, um, Mizell Brothers, were were mm-hmm. a part of that. Um, Mizell Brothers were the producers of uh, you know a lot of like jazz funk, Donald Byrd. Uh, I'm talking about Bobby Humphrey. Yeah, classics. Yeah, stuff. classics, classics, like straight up like Digger 101 stuff. So when did you become like full time at Wax Poetics, if you will? You know, I wasn't necessarily full time. Like a full time, like oh yeah, like, like oh yeah, as, like, as, as a, a contributor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was it was after after that meeting. This is more like a moonlighting. Yeah, situation. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a side hustle. Yes. It was actually something that I wanted to do just to offset some of the more corporate design work I was doing. Well, yeah, it's like a creative yeah. outlet. Yeah, totally, totally extracurricular. And um, um, what is it? So. Okay, so go. Let's go back to Dumbo. So I'm in Dumbo with Andre. He's asking me if I knew anybody that could design a magazine. We were looking for a creative director, and I just was like, "Yo, let me jump at the chance at this." Because, and he was like, "Well, don't you, you work at Apple, man? When are you gonna even find the time to do this?" And I'm like, "Dog, I'm gonna do this. I, you know, I, I gotta do this. Like, I gotta be a part of this somehow. I'm gonna like." You know, you know, when you grow up on the East Coast, especially the high school I went to, the high school I went to had a pretty, uh, 
crazy music program. Uh-huh. And the first class of the day for about four four years in high school was music, like band. And at eight oh three in the morning, band. That was like my first class. <laughs> wow. Every every year. Right. And so, um, I think that really enabled me to have that kind of thinking so early in the morning is kind of creative thinking and uh when you're talking about eight o'clock on the east coast that is five o'clock on the west coast and so you know when i took on this wax poetics thing uh i had to be at work like nine ten over here cupertino and so you know here i am getting up at 4 a.m over here to do the magazine just because I wanted to just because it was something that I needed to be a part of and uh, it was kind of a calling and so mm-hmm. so what was crazy is when I when I expressed my my you know my excitement to be a part of it with with Andre uh, and he was like well how can you do this you have a full-time job I was like no man trust man I got this like I'm gonna I'm gonna make time for this um, I was like, but wait a second, like it this building that we're in, it's like feels really good in here. There's something about this building like uh, I don't know, it's I feel I have a good feeling with this. And I was like, what, you know, what did this building used to be? And he was like, "Oh, it used to, it used to be a print shop." Mm. <laughs> and oh, it used to be a print shop. For real? It used to be a print shop, really? He's like, "Yeah, like what's up and I was like yo dog like all throughout high school summers like I was working in the print shop at Howard dude and that's where I got hip to samples so you telling me that this spot where Wax Poetics is is in in this building in Dumbo you're talking about a magazine a periodical that celebrates samples in hip-hop and records and vinyl culture is in a building that used to be a print shop when you talking to a 12 you know when i was 12 i was at howard university print shop uh working on brochures for you know black professors and doctors while being schooled on where my you know big daddy Kane samples came from mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a it was just a like mind blown uh moment at that point you know and I knew at that point that, like, I was going to be down with this. And to this, to this day, like, Andre and I, like, he's like my brother. Like, we were, like, I was literally talking to him last night about, right. like, what he's been doing now. And, and, yo, that dude right now is, like, the VP of Urban Catalog at Universal Music Group. Yeah, so try, Trying to do stuff in that organization to... Uh, shed light just as he did at Wax Poetics. So how many issues do you think you did? Uh, Full-on layout. Full-on layout? Man. Uh, From issue... um, I mean, I started... Issue 27 was... I did that whole issue. That was like the first issue. Who's the cover on that? That's uh, Grandmaster Flash is on the front, and then Eddie Harris on is on the back. It's black and white. 
Um, I kind of tightened up the logo a little bit on the top. We didn't have any cover lines. I wanted that shit to be mysterious. Mm -hmm. And it was just like I said, wax poetics, black and white photo, number 27 on it. And um, yeah, so I I took it upon myself to like relay out the entire entire situation so that we could continue to move in this kind of more modern uh, modern direction for for the magazine. Not to say that you know the previous ones the previous ones were great. There was a lot of great uh, work done on there. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you know, it's there a different were, era. Yeah, there were certainly things that 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 uh, you know that were more uh, I was more naturally predisposed to doing and so I just like took it upon myself to freak that um, when I was there you did the Dame Funk cover I did do that one I did I, photo. I, who hey, took that photo B plus oh that's B what's plus. up man yeah so yeah yeah so oh man that was that's another man like to to have Dame and to to get B to do the photos, and I was at that shoot in oh, LA nice. at his crib. But well, I had to art direct the shoot, so I was talking to Dame like, how do we want to, how do we want to uh, portray you and stuff? And I was telling him, you know, I'm all about like uh, trying to be really intimate with the artists and stuff. And, and it's like, you know, he suggested, yo, let's just do it with my at my crib and like, you know, with my ride. Like, yeah, you know, what what. <laughs> What? How much more close can you get to Dame? Like, if it was not there, if not in yeah. the studio, right. you know what I mean? Right. Yes, yes. All right. That's our part one with my man Freddie. Make sure that you cop that uh, Dame Funk European Nights vinyl uh, while it is shipping very soon. So get that pre-order while supplies last. Um, if this was your first time peeping out the houses, thank you so much. Please subscribe. Do it on SoundCloud. Do it on uh, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Google Play. Um, hopefully, it's going to be on Spotify soon, and we're trying to figure out a way to do that. But you know, it's out in so many other places that just find it and tell a friend to tell a friend. You know what I'm saying? Uh, by you guys uh, checking it out and and writing supporting supportive emails and, and hit me up. You can drop a comment even in SoundCloud, and I'll see it. Or write me on the SoundCloud page. Tell me what you like about the show. Tell me what you don't like about the show. If you want me to talk to anyone specific, maybe I already know them, or maybe I might already have something in the stash. You never know. I know a lot of people, and I like to talk to a lot of different kinds of people for this show, too. So I'm into any of that feedback. Whatever you guys want, just hit it. You know, Suggest it to me. I'm open-minded to all types of stuff when it comes to the show. And uh, so, yeah. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Shouts to Freddie. Peace to Dame Funk. Uh, every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. I'm going to play another little snippet of European Nights. Stream it now and cop that vinyl while you still can. All right, y'all. Peace. Enjoy your week. And I will be back with another episode before you know. Peace.